You know there's a way for nurses to start a business, but there's so many moving pieces. Cut to the crap. It's time to go right to the source and get real about what's working in business and marketing for nurses with your host, the founder of Nursepreneurs, Katie Harris. Hi, this is Katie Harris, and this is an episode of the Nursepreneurs Podcast. Today's guest, we have Rebecca Love on with us. I am so excited to have you here, Rebecca. She is the Chief Clinical Officer at IntelliCare and has a million other <laughs> designations to her that we're going to talk about. But thanks so much for being here with us today. Katie, it's so great to be here with you. And thanks for all your advocacy that you've been doing for nurses for the last years. It's really impressive. So thank you. Thank you. Why don't you start out by giving us a little background about you as a nurse? Like, how did you get started and how did it lead to where you are today? Yeah. So, you know, I, you know, nursing was a second career choice. I think uh, many of us entered nursing second later and, and it was because of my mom that I joined, but, you know, I started off, you know, in one of those programs that you became a nurse practitioner. I went on to start teaching. I, I started a company when my nursing students couldn't find jobs called HireNurses.com because I wanted to help nurses be more empowered in their career. I think you probably remember the days when it felt like a black hole. You'd put your nursing resume out there and nobody would respond. So we built that company. I exited it to a company in the UK in 2018. Um, but it was when that company was really failing and floundering that I started to think that I was shutting it down and experienced my first hackathon, which was an event that changed my life. And that was an event that showed me that nurses have a lot of knowledge to transform healthcare if they were only given a seat at the table. And we went on to push for a nurse hackathon that Northeastern University came and it built with me alongside uh, Dr. Hanrahan. And we built the first nurse innovation and entrepreneurship program in the country, spinning that into a global nonprofit called Sanciel, where I'm transitioning on into President Emeritus after three years of building that and worked in my day job as the chief clinical officer of IntelliCare, where I oversee a large workforce, um, about 40,000 nurses and CNAs across long-term care. So that's it, Katie, in a nutshell. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I'm going to tell you that was exhausting. <laughs> <laughs> so let me ask you this. When you started nursing and you said nursing was a second career? Mm -hmm. It was. Okay. Did you know that you wanted to start a business? Oh, I had no idea. Absolutely none. I think that nurse, you know, I, I, you get into nursing because you want to help people, right? You want to alleviate suffering. You want to make sure that the world is in a better place than it is the day before. But I think why, and I think this is, and you, you speak to this a lot too, is that we are confronted with so many incredible problems that don't have good solutions in nursing that it was just, for me, my nursing students, I was teaching at a community college and they weren't finding nursing jobs and my hospice patients weren't finding the ability to stay in their homes. And it was really that incredible pressing problem that is a, a, a you know adult uh, hospice nurse practitioner watching all these people really suffering at their end of their lives wanting to stay in their homes and then you know all my nursing students not able to find jobs that really inspired that first one I, I think that's what we do really well as nurses is we figure out solutions that sometimes people just have no interest in, in solving besides. <laughs> yeah, no, it's true. So it was kind of like a matchmaking service where your nurse, you got nur your nursing students at jobs and the hospice patient got nurses. That's it. Okay. Awesome. I love that. And so, and what I find interesting, especially with nurses is that, you know, we do see a lot of problems, but a lot of times we don't know how to take it to the next level and, you know, turn it into a, a business. And I think a lot of times we look to management and say, Hey, we here's this problem. We, we want to solve it. And a lot, we get shut down a lot or dismissed, or maybe they even take your ideas for that matter. So did you think about doing that first or did you go straight into, well, you know what, I'm going to turn this into a, a business? 
Gosh, no. Um, I think, no, I, I literally was, I had met, uh, this was two, when I started HireNurses.com, which was just really a job board for nurses. It was literally a night in 2013. I, a group of my students that had graduated with me from Bunker Hill Community College in 2012 had met with me in my office in about March, 2013. And they had been told if they were going to become nurses, that they would always have a job. And if you remember the market in 2013, there, there wasn't jobs. And because they were associate degree nurses in Boston, nobody would hire them. And that is, that's, it was, it was devastating to me, but I had just left. I had done my hospice visit that morning with a patient who was desperate to die in their home and they couldn't. And the family was moving them into a nursing home, which let's be honest, there's brilliant nursing homes out there, but some people just really want to end their life in their homes. And it was there in that moment that I left, turned, I remember turning to the computer in 2013 and being like, there has to be a place that connects nurses with those who want to hire them. And in 2013, there wasn't. And I literally went home that night and woke up in the middle of the night, rolled to my husband who said, you know, go back to bed, got out of bed and called my parents and my mom's a nurse. And I told her this idea and she said, that's great. Let's talk in the morning. And when everybody else said, you know, if this was such a great idea, somebody else would have come up with it. My mom gave me her nursing retirement to start higher nurses. And she had gone back to nursing school in her 50s and worked as an oncology nurse. And I remember, I think if it hadn't been her support and her dollars in, I know I would never have made it. So I, I did it. It literally had no intention of really doing it. I just realized nobody else was going to solve this for us. Like nobody ever solves problems for nurses. Yes. Let's be honest. We're a cost center to healthcare systems. More work with less is constantly what happens to us. People look at us simply as a commodity in a 24-7 wheel where we are constantly beaten down as a profession. You know, it's just really timely that we're having this conversation because an article dropped in the New York Times today to talk about one of the largest healthcare systems in the country, Ascension, and how they had systemic years of trying to take money away from nursing. And that the pandemic and the crisis of nurse staffing is not because of the pandemic, but really because of this economic model around nursing that is failing us and hospitals being able to direct dollars away from the front line to large executive billions of dollars in profits, but no focus on what this population of us, us on the front lines deliver and care. And, and it's just, I don't know, Katie, I know you feel the same way because we're just saying, you know what, if these systems are going to keep treating us this way, why would we stay? Right. Why would we ever stay? And, and we have such skills. Why are we not starting more businesses? Why are we not saying, fine, if you don't want to pay us to be a, you know, a diabetes nurse, then, you know, I'm going to go start my own diabetes nursing practice and let people pay me directly. Right. Like that's how it all was back in the 1920s before they rolled nurses into room rates and basically gutted our ability to have any financial model that kept us as a viable profession external to hospitals. Right. Like it's killing me anyway. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was going to say like and, and what you're saying is so true and it's so short sighted of this these management, the hospital systems to say, you know, we're going to we're going to cut nursing. We're going to do this because it all Ultimately, the only reason somebody comes into the hospital is for a nurse, right? I mean, you come and you get your surgery or whatever, but really the care is all about the nursing care. So to cut those roles and to cut money to that profession is just beyond dumb. Like I, I don't have any other yeah. way to say it. 
No, 80% of the time that a patient is with a provider, it's with a nurse. We know that if you are in a hospital, it's not because you need occupational therapy or physical therapy or respiratory therapy or even surgery. In all honesty, all of that could be done outpatient. The reason you are in a hospital or a nursing home today is because your life is so at risk that if you don't have 24-7 monitoring by a nurse, you will die. That is the reality today. And for some reason, we constantly cut the financial model to destroy that profession, run them as lean and as ragged as possible, while everybody else has a reimbursable curve as code. So we never have any problems paying for more doctors or physical therapists or occupational therapists because they can generate revenue. But we've always just kept nurses hidden and their value hidden while everybody else has profited off of the backs of nurses. And it's time, I'm just going to say it. It's time that we as nurses start profiting off of what we do as a profession because it is valuable and it is time that we own that. Yeah. And I think there's been this kind of just systematic brainwashing that, you know, to profit is like just some horrible, horrible thing that nurses shouldn't do and we should be above that. And it's a crack of, you know, crap. This because we care about people, right? And we shouldn't be paid for that. We should just be happy that we feel good about doing our jobs, right? And maybe we would have if they stopped, you know, if they hadn't started criminally prosecuting us as nurses for making mistakes because of system and environmental failures that sends us into being short-staffed with equipment that doesn't work and systems that constantly fail us as a profession, but hold us all responsible, not only now financially responsible where we can lose our license and our profession, but now we can go to jail. The Rondonda verdict, verdict in March 2022, which has now been followed by an onslaught of criminal prosecutions of nurses for system failures, mm-hmm. is something that is fundamentally wrong today. And I think every, we know the McKinsey study, one in three bedside nurses plan to exit by the end of 2022. Nobody believed in it. It has absolutely played itself out. Yep. And we don't think that what we have done by how we're treating nurses and this criminal prosecution and this constant underfunding of the profession and the lack of ability to value the profession from a financial model services directive or economic model, it is all playing itself out in a way that what means is means our loved ones are going to die because they're going to show up in emergency rooms and wait times are going to be up 10,000 times. Surgery centers aren't going to be able to operate. Floors are going to be cut. So there's going to be no beds for you to go. And what's going to happen is that when your loved one needs care, it's not because there isn't a hospital. It's not because there isn't doctors. It's going to simply be the fact that it's because there is no nurses. Yep. And we've absolutely seen that. We've seen the hospital floors shut down and, you know, you have the surgeons coming in and they're like, I've got all these cases, there's beds here. And we're like, yeah, but there's <laughs> there's nobody to take care of, of, of people in those beds. That's right. You know what? Send down the executives, send down all these others. In fact, I was talking to a Harvard economist the other day, one of the leading economists, Harvard labor economists in the world. And he said, you know, Rebecca, what I would love to do, because nurses, we're, we're not, they're not valued in healthcare. He said, what I'd love to do is I'd love to run a study on two different floors. Let's have a floor that has no nurses and no CNAs. Put all the patients there and let's compare the outcomes to a floor that has all of the nurses and the CNAs. And let's see how those outcomes are. And he goes, no, I know it sounds totally ludicrous, right? Because you would never do that. But that is the reality of the situation. I was like, that is the most brilliant picture that if we can't show, you know what? You don't want to have us. You don't want to staff us. Go ahead, put them on the floors. Go ahead and staff with physical therapists and occupational therapists and residents. And let's see if the outcomes change. And if they don't, 
then we know you don't need nurses. But if they do, if there is a substantial addition, then it is time we do something about this to value nursing, pay them accordingly, devise an economic reimbursement model that works for them, similar to every other healthcare professional that has a reimbursement code, physical therapists, doctors, all of them, dietary services, all of them have a service that generates money for hospitals and nursing homes. Nurses are only ever have always been on the cost side of the ledger. And that is what is absolutely failing us today. Absolutely. Um, your story just reminded me of the, the parachute study where they wanted to study whether, you know, if you jump out of a parachute without a parachute, I mean, a plane without a parachute, you know, what would your outcomes be? And it's kind of the same with nursing, right? Oh my God. That is such a great post, Katie. That is, you're putting that post out there, right? Like it's just time to, like, there is just common sense, right? There's things that we're debating that people have convoluted and conflated on issues when it's simply down to very simple issue. You you know what? Compare, you know, jump out of a plane without an airport, go into a hospital with no nurses. Let's see what the outcomes are. Yeah, exactly. All right. So you, you've you uh, sold HireNurses.com in 2018. When did Sanciel come into this picture? And was that the next step? Yeah, it really was. So I sold Hire Nurses in 2018 and jumped into a company where the CEO had recruited me to lead digital innovation. But 2019, going for literally, it was my New Year's resolution walk. And I had been out of Northeastern for about six months. At that point in time, Nancy and I had transitioned on. And I literally looked up to this dark, cold gray sky. I live out on a beautiful ocean peninsula. And uh, the sun broke through and the name Sanciel came to me. And I said, we need a nursing society that redefines what nursing looks like to the world, that we take the trust that we have earned for the last 20 years in Gallup polls as the most trusted profession to actually elevate nurses to the forefront of transforming healthcare. And we, I reached out to 50, 100 nurses. And I said, look, I, I know, I know that there are 800 nursing associations in the country and we don't need another one, but we do. And would you give me your name and reputation to start this organization? And people like Molly McCarthy, the chief nursing officer of the time at Microsoft, who's now even higher in Microsoft, who signed on and Kim Dadell, who's now the first director for the Center of Innovations run by a nurse at Mass General Hospital, Marion Leary, the first nurse at UPenn to run nurse innovation uh, programs. All of them said yes. And for three years, we built this organization. We got recognized by the United Nations, published a book, uh, raised $100,000 in partnership with Glowgood Foundation and Dental Organization to move over 300,000 pieces of PPE during the pandemic and ran four virtual hackathons. When we started to do meetups for nurses um, as early as February of 2020, we started our first phone calls with nurses who were heading into their shift, leaving their shifts on their shifts, saying, everybody else is gone. There is not a doctor to be found. And everything we know about healthcare is family. And so they were innovating on the fly. And I remember it was April 2020, and I called Linda Benton at Johnson & Johnson, and I called Molly McCarthy at Microsoft. And I said, these nurses are innovating, and it, we need to give them a spot that they can be safe. And in May 2020, in the height of the pandemic, we hosted our first global hackathon, um, in which nurses were dealing with the things on the front lines of the pandemic. And we went on to host three more for those two years. And if you just could understand the brilliance of those nurses, they built the new hospitals for COVID. They were the ones who operated healthcare when everybody left or sat behind screens or plastic doors. It was always, and it has always been the nurse. And what's devastating me today is they came out of running our healthcare system during the pandemic and suddenly everybody's rolling it back, all of the progress that nursing made. And they're saying, you know what, COVID just burned you out. But you know what, no, COVID did not burn them out. 
there's no such thing as burnout. It is not the failure of the nurse. They have what we have done is we have, as healthcare leaders, we have forced them out yeah. because we have done nothing to make that sustainable. And that is our failure. And too many of us nursing leaders out there are not out there actively speaking to the truth of the situation. And you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna say it right now, which is either we as nursing leaders are gonna side with the front line of nurses, or we're going to side with executives. And in this moment of history, we are going to be remembered. We are going to be measured by what we do today. The future and the success of our profession lies on the shoulders of those nurses who today, and nursing leaders today, who are going to stand up and say, it is time that we look at nursing value it, create an economic model around it, and make it a sustainable profession, or we potentially face what I hate to say is really the end of the nursing profession in the scale it is. And what I mean by that is there are more nurses today in the United States than ever before in history. There are more nurses than police officers, teachers, and there's 5 million of them. There's more nurses than any other healthcare professional, but there's more nurses in every other profession in the United States. And there may be some in the future, but the truth is it will no longer be the leading profession in the world or in the country because they're simply going to choose other professions. And you know what? Can you blame the next generation if they don't choose nursing as what we've done to it? So mm-hmm. we as nursing leaders need to do more. Absolutely. And I, I want to go back and say that, you know, I, I resonate a lot with what you've just said, because I personally don't believe in burnout. I don't believe the nurses are burned out. They have three, four jobs. They're still coming to, to us and they want to start businesses and they want to change the world and make impacts. This is not the symptom of somebody that's tired, exhausted and, and you know, like, but they are just beaten down and the system that they're working in, I feel like nursing has lost its purpose inside the hospital and the stuff that you're talking about right now brings us back purpose. It brings back what we should be doing and it gives us a vision for what nursing could look like. Now, in terms of like that financial model, how do you see that happening for, for nurses? So the, the truth is it works for every other profession. So doctors, PTs, OT, dietary services, respiratory therapists, all of them have what's called a reimbursable code for the services that they provide. And in fact, in the 1920s, nurses all had a code that was reimbursable as well. They all issued bills to clients that would then be charged for nursing services. And hospitals actually on buildings that employed nurses actually had a nursing service bill that was implemented to be paid to nurses. Now, what happened in 1930s, um, as nursing grew to be the strongest economic vehicle for women at that time, women had just got the right to vote in the 1920s. Nursing became quickly the largest economic vehicle for women's financial independence. And in 1930s though, when insurance came together to sit there and look at hospitals, you know, they started to, these executives, males, all men, looked at this and said, you know what, well, actually, you know, we sort of see nursing as economic competition. So they looked to hotels and they said, well, maids are just rolled into room rates. Let's just roll nurses into room rates as well. 
And that's what they did. And they forever stopped capturing nursing. So let's look at value-based care because people tell me, especially, you know, one of the leading individuals in the world on this tells me Rebecca, value-based care is going to take care of nursing. And I was like, well, how can it? Because nurses don't even have an NPI number, national provider, national provider identifier number, which means that even in value-based care models, all of the actions are being given credit to the room, that the room just helped that person with diabetes get better, right? The truth is, is that the model exists. The model exists very easily. And in fact, it's been fought for the last 40 years, largely opposed by specific organizations in the country who oppose this because they want to keep nurses sort of subservient to the system. And what we could find, though, is that in the early 2000s, there was a large movement around Medicare to actually design this. And they said, you know what, actually, it would just be too hard. There's no system of record that actually tracks nursing hours. Well, you know what? Now we do. With all of the EHRs at Epic, we actually interact and track every single nursing interaction. So the truth is, is that we would just need to fundamentally work to establish a policy by which we track, we store, and we track the nursing services. Right now, a physician bills for a surgery. All of the subsequent care, IVs, wound treatments, medications, ambulations, all of those things, vital signs, all of that, that are nursing services are billed and the physician makes all the money for it. So really what I'm doing is I'm going to be working with some of these incredible Harvard labor economists to basically study this, unpack this, and show the value that nursing is bringing per every single surgery, per every single one. This is not going to be easy, but it's going to be far from impossible because in the last 30 years alone, we figured out how to do it for physical therapists and occupational therapists and nurse practitioners and uh, respiratory therapists and actually hundreds of others of providers, kitchen services, dietary services, nutritionists. But somehow we've never been able to figure out how to do it for nurses. But we, you know, yeah, we just don't want to figure it out. <laughs> yeah, we're going to. Actually, there's a lot of really much smarter people than me who actually have figured this out, but we're going to we're just going to get them a platform so they can do what they're good at. Well, I love that. And that is amazing. So, but how did Sanciel lead you to IntelliCare, what you're doing now? And what are you doing now? Yes. So, um, you know, I, I don't know if it necessarily led me, but perhaps um, Karma has that weird way where um, David Coppins reached out to me to talk to me one day just about potentially joining his board. He wanted some nurses on his board, but he caught me on a bad day about a year and a half ago um, where I told him, you know, you guys all have it wrong. Hospitals, staffing companies, you all just keep treating nurses like commodities, right? You only see their value as how many hours they can work to generate your revenue, right? Like, and, and you know, so that really got me. What, what was really funny, because, you know, I, I didn't know where that conversation was going. He said, Give me a day, call me back. And he said, Actually, I'd like you to come on this and join our company in the capacity because what you're saying makes a lot of sense and we need to do better for nursing. And he basically said, and what I basically said to him was, I'm very passionate about our profession. And if we could redesign the future of work for nursing, we could actually make it better, right? Like we know the average age of a nurse in this country is 52, right? 50% of that population is over 52, but you know, really almost 60% of that population is already over 60. They can't work 12 hour shifts the way that we have it done. This day night holiday weekend rotation, this three month scheduling with no flexibility, denying time off. The truth is, is we have technology that can make shifts better than the 24 model that we have. So it was really exciting to talk to somebody who's a technologist. Like, you know, David is not a health guy. He was a really successful tech entrepreneur who partnered with an incredible nurse, Chris Caulfield, who was working in long-term care. They met, uh, you know, over, they met in crossing ways and Chris and Ike Nan and Prince Nan were able to convince David that this was a problem that technology could solve. And the four of them had, you know, I have to tell you, 
invested their life savings, their mortgages, everything to try to invest in this technology. And they brought me on really because what had happened is how do you scale and manage a quality workforce 100% remote? Because nobody thought that was possible. So I oversee all credentialing, all clinical quality, all education, and largely sort of some of the direction of where nursing uh, conversations should be going for the organization. And it is, it's busy. I have to tell you, Katie, it's busy. (laughs) (laughs) I imagine. I would not expect the role that you're in to be anything but like crazy busy. So tell us a little bit about IntelliCare and what that technology is. Yeah, I have to tell you, the technology is absolutely brilliant. I, I very, I, I've studied a lot of other technologies in it, but it's a large workforce management solution, largely to optimize per diem and float pool managements in this capacity. So we've um, been able to deliver per diem nursing services across long-term care to thousands of long-term care facilities, which are uh, skilled nursing facilities, ALFs, group homes, all of this, by putting nurses on a what we call a global credentialing passport. So we've gone to the gold standard of credentialing in long-term care, make them able to be able to pick up shifts as long as they have a license in that state in any area that they want to, to optimize in the per diem capacity. So these are people that you know work other full-time jobs. This is their second job, and they don't want to be trapped into an additional schedule. So they're like, you know what, Saturday, it's raining. I'm going to pick up. I can actually work that day, the kids' soccer games are are canceled. And what we do is we've optimized the ability through AI and data science, a lot of different things that make it easier for facilities where we can almost predict when they're going to be short on staff. We also look at cost and wages and sit there and say, look, you're not going to have to boost that shift on Tuesday because the reality is that we know that there's already 600 nurses available that day. But you know that Wednesday morning shift that you thought would be easy to fill? Actually, there's not a lot of people on you're going to have to boost. So we use a whole bunch of different technology to optimize the per diem landscape. And now we've had over 20 million hours of doing this. We're actually looking to take this technology to healthcare systems who started to recognize that, you know what, we've only ever really focused on the full-time employees, but if we optimize for per diem and float pool and part-time, perhaps that we could actually scale this workforce to work smarter um, in a way that empowers them, but really meets the needs of facilities. Yeah. And I, you know, when I was a nurse, I was a job junkie. I would have loved this. I would have been like two hours here, four hours there, (laughs) just going from facility to facility. So yeah, I have a question. So this seems to be in alignment with your financial model. Do you see that connecting? And do you see this as an opportunity for the nurses to have, to get their cost pulled out of the bed by Well, yeah, I think it helps, right? I think we can finally see, when you see staffing companies, right? Like in all honesty, they're able to charge for a service that a hospital is willing to pay for. So there is a value to it. They already do recognize it. I don't think it goes far enough, but I think it shows to your point, a fundamental premise that hospitals already know there is a value to nursing, right? They already are willing to pay this. They did find the dollars and we're not a travel company, but you know, there, there is the money there. And when you go to market, dynamics, which is honestly what they've tried to prevent from nursing, right? Like hospitals and everything, they do not want to go to true economic market dynamics of what to pay a nurse, right? Because when they do that, they realize that the values of the nurse are worth far more than we pay them, right? We're mm-hmm. in a capitated model. We are paid over 20-year scales on a rise in this. In fact, the average increase of a nursing salary based on cost of living uh, data over 2011 to 2018 was only an increase of 1.6% cost of living, which was less than half the cost of living adjustments that were made for almost every other vertical in business. 
so the reality is, is you're, you're seeing this play out specifically in the UK where 100,000 nurses are striking because based on evidence of inflation over the last 10 years, they're actually working one day in five for free as a nurse. And that I bet if we did a similar study in the United States, we'd find to be absolutely true that nurses actually 10 years ago are probably making more than nurses today based on the inflationary pressures. So I think the model that we have shows that they're, that their nurses are valuable, that they can be making more money, that there is a model that you can actually value the contribution of nursing to, a, especially in a nursing home. If there are no nurses, you can't reimburse for the codes that actually exist. So the truth is, is that there is some functionality there that shows a baseline premise to your point, but I don't think it goes far enough to truly cap and capture the we only can do it on an hour to hour basis. We're not speaking to patient data that if there are no nurses, actually cost of care drive up by 810%. So say that you don't have a nurse, but you're going to need a doctor to give that the cost of that care is going to be exponential. So these kind of things that, you know, we, we need to be smarter about, but fundamentally the premises are. Right. All right. So I could probably talk to you for hours, but <laughs> to sum up, like what, what is your vision for the next one to three, five, I don't know, maybe a lifetime vision that you have for IntelliCare, for yourself, for the nursing profession? Yeah. I, I hope what we see with IntelliCare is that hospitals and systems are willing to start investing in technology that does create a sustainable model for nursing. Um, because I think technology can advance it. And I think hospitals are starting to recognize that. But on a bigger global perspective, Katie, we need to solve the economic model for nursing. We can't keep treating this profession as simply a cost to systems. And in all honesty, as being the only profession in all healthcare and all Medicare models to not be recognized, but are simply, and in all honesty, we're actually less valuable to hospitals than bedpans. Bedpans actually can be reimbursed. Nurses can <laughs> And we had to fix that, right? Like we had to fix that. So my fight for the next five, 10 years is I'm taking it to Medicare. I'm taking it to Medicaid. I'm putting together a national commission with some of the leading nurses in the world to take on this issue, to say it is time that nurses are pulled out of the room, right? That we take, we right the wrongs of a largely sexist policy that was written in the 1930s to keep women and nurses down. Because the truth is they were threatened by the power of not only the profession, but by the power of women. And I'm just telling you, and I know you can hear it, but as a person that has been living here with a lot of rose colored glasses for a very long time, I'm starting to realize that nurses, we're going to need to start really demanding what we're worth. And that's going to take a lot of courage and bravery. But I have to tell you, I'm seeing a lot of nurses doing it. I'm seeing them leave, start their own companies. You look at companies like Navi Nurse, which is absolutely blowing it out of the water. You look at other nurses like PK Sherrill, who launched Gifted Healthcare, Joe Novello, who launched Nurse Grid. I mean, there are some rock star examples, even Chris Caulfield, who launched IntelliCare, right? Like the truth is, if you take that risk, the rewards can be immense. And it's time that the rewards for nursing start equaling the sacrifices that they've made for this country, our society, and for all of the patients that we've ever cared for. Absolutely. So how do people follow you, support you, get in touch with you? Yeah. You know, I've really come off of organizations like Twitter. So I'm really only on LinkedIn at this point in time. Please, please follow, message me on LinkedIn. I'm happy to reach out. Of course, you can always find me at IntelliCare and send me an email if there's something you want to do. And, you know, obviously, Sanciel, I am a always will be a strong supporter and advocate for that society that we're building there. And you can find us there at any point in time. 
Awesome. Thank Thank you. you so much, Rebecca. Thank you, Katie. This is Katie Harris saying thanks for listening. Remember, if you're a nurse who is ready to start this type of business that you heard about here today on this podcast or any other idea that is burning a fire inside of you, let's talk it out. Click the link inside the show notes to schedule your private discovery call with my team. No sales. This call is just to determine what your idea is and if we can help. Until next time, keep making your impact, nursepreneurs.